Well, welcome everybody. Tonight's topic is the world as your mirror. So, uh, starting out here, I wanted to talk into a little bit about my my take on it, which is um, I, I don't feel it's really a topic that that people are unfamiliar with. You know, we hear a lot of terminology. I'm sure everyone here has heard one of these at some point. Just like if you spot it, you got it. Or um, you're talking about how everything is uh, a lesson and what can you learn from this. But probably the most, the most uh, predominant or popular, um, I guess, version of this idea is karma, at least in the U.S.'s version of karma, which tends to be... Um, tends to be specifically about things that you do into the world, your acts. So like if you cut somebody off, then the idea is that karma will come full circle at some point and somebody else will cut you off. And it's, it's kind of a, um, an inaccurate, which there's a lot of misunderstandings and, and inaccurate assumptions of, of what the world as a mirror is and what karma is and well, I think it's a pretty kind of a woo woo subject. I think people exactly. use the phrase, but I don't think there's any ever any substance behind what they're talking about. Like, Oh, it's your reflection, you know? Um, and there's not right. really any substance to speak into, uh, that's been my experience of it, that it's just uh, a lot of almost empty cliches around it. Um, so there's very little substance to what I've heard when people speak about this subject, or really they don't even speak into the subject per se. They speak, they just repeat some new agey catchphrase that implies <laughs> that, that, something is either being reflected back at them or that uh, something is being reflected back at something, someone else, or that exactly. they themselves are a reflection for someone or that someone else is a reflection for them. So it's, it's just spoken about in, in very general terms, very little substance to the topic. And, and oftentimes it's done in a way to assign blame. It's like somebody will be talking about something and they'll say, well, how is that a reflection of you? Where are you vindictive in your life? And whether or not that person is experiencing vindictiveness, it may not even be something that's part of the conversation for them. It might be the third person projecting their own experience on top of it. So we'll get into a little bit about the projection aspects as well. Because um, this topic can be easily under-explained, under under-comprehended, um, and even... Uh, misunderstood and overcomplicated. So we can add a lot of things and we can oversimplify it, basically is what I'm saying. Um, but after a bunch of del deliberation with Brandon, we, we basically arrived at the conclusion that this is fundamentally about resonance. And we'll go into that a little bit later. So that's to simplify it. Right, projection and resonance. Um, but the real goal in having this conversation specifically is to talk about how it can be useful and not just a woo-woo concept where 
we throw it around all the time and, and it never really leads to anything productive. It's just spinning our wheels and, and a way to manipulate or, you know, justify or, or something like that. So um, to talk about projection and resonance, um, Brandon actually said something that was pretty interesting. He said that projection is kind of the passive version of this and resonance is the active version. And uh, I'd love, Brandon, if you speak into that a little bit. Um, well, what I meant by that, <clears throat> by making that distinction of a passive versus an active uh, kind of take on, on, on reflecting, right, on, on mirroring in the world. So projection is something that doesn't require uh, another person to be involved or another person to... Uh, to engage with you around it. Um, for instance, you can project upon someone by watching an event unfold or watching how they do something or, you know, and project your take, meaning your interpretation, projecting what you would be feeling, experiencing, or how that may be an example of how you would be if the event was unfolding that way with you at the center of it. Um, an example might be uh, like you were use, you used in one of our conversations about uh, you know judging someone who's just sitting on the couch watching TV and using that as like somebody projecting on them laziness, right? Like, oh, what a you know lazy person to be just sitting there. Um, and that may be a projection of them, meaning when they're sitting in front of the TV, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV, that's what they feel and experience about themselves. And so they project that out on others. So a projection doesn't require any kind of a interaction. Um, it doesn't require a, 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 an opposing or, or fellow participant uh, and is just it's something that can happen. Yeah, it can happen from one side. Whereas resonance, as, as I see it with regards to this particular subject, is when two people have, uh, let's say, a similar way of dealing with things. And so as one may have anger within them from, let's say, an event that occurred before they even came into contact with this, per this other person, um, because the other person in their vicinity also has within them that approach to dealing with issues and problems, uh, maybe an they're quick, you know, there's that, that phrase quick to anger. Maybe they have that within them. So in resonance, um, you can kind of create or perpetuate what you're experiencing around you in people who have that within them. So an example I used was anger because that's something I have within me. So if somebody approaches me with anger and they're talking to me from a place of anger or they're or, or they're just in my space, like maybe I'm in line and they're behind me in line and they're pissed and all of a sudden I can feel that welling up within me um, or all of a sudden my thoughts start going to that kind of a place. So that's a kind of a, a resonance effect where you, by having that embodying that type of a feeling, that type of an experience, you can actually... Uh, have it create that within others right and and vice versa 
and right. and then I told you my example of not resonating with someone was like if if I'm in the presence of someone who's you know uh, baby talk googly goo kind of shit that that doesn't live within me I I never go there I would never go there I've never gone there so if somebody's oh, I'm just I completely neutral <laughs> I'm just like has no effect on me because that doesn't live within me. So it doesn't resonate with me in the sense that it doesn't elicit any kind of a response from me. It doesn't cause anything within me to well up. It doesn't necessarily affect me, right? Um, or, or like someone who, uh, let's say in the same scenario where someone with anger approaches another person and, they don't, and their way of responding to, let's say, confrontation is with uh, distress and sadness and uh, maybe self-loathing, something like that. And they're gonna and they go to that place of like crying and you know being upset or whatever. So in that scenario, like there's still a, a quote-unquote cause and effect there. In that the what one is embodying is is eliciting something in another, but it's not a quote-unquote reflection of what is being presented or embodied by the, the angry person in that, in that situation. So that's kind of how I broke it down with a passive and active approach to generating things around you. Um, the passive and active, the passive being projection and the active being resonance. Which is a perfect way to make a distinction between these two because there is um, in my in my understanding, projection being passive, that's that's a great way to see yourself in an event that's going on. Then that you may be projecting the entire experience onto the event with, that doesn't inherently have any of that meaning to it. So, like the person sitting on the couch, you may project laziness, and you may project like this person is whatever other judgments you want to on top of that. And that person's experience, the facts of the matter of the day, taking it into context may be that they just got off of like a 36 hour shift and they're taking an hour off, resting up, recuperating before they go back into like an eight hour shift. And, and you have no idea. And so the, the, the reality of the situation may be completely different than what you'd be projecting onto it. So it's like a, um, like a super, super, what is that term? Like to superimpose what you believe is going on and acting as so, acting as if that's factual. That's the way that it actually is. Whereas residents. I actually used to give an example in, in authorship uh, of a, a actual friend of mine had an experience on a plane, right? And it was these kids just running amok. <laughs> you know, like they were, they were like all over the place, like, you know, disruptive and noisy. And the parent of these two children was, uh, was just sitting there, you know, not saying a word, not engaging anyone, even the children, just like, just like, like living dead, just sitting there. Right. And 
So all of a sudden, this anger starts to well up in people on the plane. Like they just start to get really angry in their judgments about this mother. What, you know, what a bad parent, you know, like, you know, just going on and on and on. And then even judging, like watching how the kids were acting, how the kids were like, they weren't being even nice to each other. You know, there were, it was like, there was a, there was an uneasiness being created by the way they were talking, by the way they were treating others. And it was creating this judgment and anger in many of the passengers around this woman. Right. And so everyone was not everyone, but a, a lot of people were sitting in this space of, you know, bad parent, what a horrible parent. Uh, maybe you were sitting in the space of, Oh, she must be on drugs. And, you know, like, but this was, like this was the general consensus about this mother, right? And these children. Now, somebody went to talk to her, you know, like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Like from, a, like from a completely neutral space, you know, this particular person didn't have the like anger that was welling up in other people. And come to find out, I'm trying to make a long story short, come to find out this woman's husband had just died and that the kids and her had, you know, had just been to the funeral that day and they were traveling out to her parents um, because, you know, like her, their life was falling apart. You know, he had been dying for, for a while, um, medical bills and everything, like they had lost their house and like just everything was kind of turning upside down for them. and as everyone around her was hearing all of this, it had completely transformed the situation where before bad parent, which was what they were projecting on this woman was, you know, uh, transformed into compassion and, 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 and empathy and things like that, because it, it, the facts of the matter, had completely changed their interpretation of the same act, the same events, right? The, these events now had new meaning and people fell out of that space of anger and now started engaging with the kids and it brought the kids to a new place. You know, the kids were no longer acting up. They were no longer being mean to each other because people were like people when they were in that space of, anger and you know uh uh frustration and whatever they that was that was that was affecting how the kids were experiencing this plane ride you know that was affecting how they felt you know because if everyone around you is is resonating with this negative energy and you have that within you your dad just died you know so it's and you've been watching your dad die for months you know, there's that, there is that within them, that tendency to go to a negative place, you know, and, but it completely transformed the kids, the way everyone in that area, the plane felt. So just an example of, you know, projection gone awry <laughs> and how had that person not actually struck up a conversation, it may have actually gotten to the point of, uh, uh, you know, something unpleasant occurring, whether it being uh, 
a passenger losing their temper and yelling at the mom or the kids or whatever, and only making the experience of the mother and the kids worse, you know, as opposed to alleviating what they were experiencing in that moment. That's a great story. Um, I do remember that one too. Uh, so that's, that's projecting what we may make up about a situation onto the events themselves and interpreting it through our projection. So reality as a mirror, that's one way to see yourself reflected in the, in the events around you. And Brandon, I'd like to stick on that same um, story because in talking about resonance, the, the active um, version of mirroring, I'll say, uh, I actually really like the analogy that we came up with about vibrating strings. I don't know um, how many people on the call are familiar with resonance or um, resonant frequencies, but there's there's a phenomenon in the world where if you if you've got two strings next to each other and they're both tuned on, on musical instruments. <laughs> yeah, it could be musical instruments, but it also could be any. Well, type it's of not. String. It's, well, not any kind of string. Like if I just have a string hanging like a thread it doesn't, it's not going to resonate with another thread. It's not tuned to anything. So specifically, we're talking about, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be tuned. So say you've got a guitar sitting next to another guitar and you strike the E string on one of the guitars. The E string on the second guitar will start vibrating and resonating with the stimulation of the first one. And there's, there's tons of cool experiments that people have done with tuning forks and metronomes and even the uh, there's with that old story about the, the the army personnel marching across a bridge and they ended up having the entire bridge collapse because they were stomping at the resonant frequency of the bridge, which had it um, collapse on itself. So in in looking at what resonance is, which is two bodies vibrating at the same or really similar frequencies, then it necessitates two, two bodies, whether those are human bodies or strings on a guitar or um, boots on a bridge or something. It necessitates two. And in the analogy, Brandon, that you were talking about, <clears throat> we could say that the, uh, you know, if, if instead of tuning those strings to say B flat, we could tune them to anger or frustration or bad mother, bad parent, that resonance started popping up in every single person that was in a similar state of mind to the people that were around and, and going to that same place of judgment with this mom and her kids. Right. And, and, but like you said, it requires that within you. So in that example and in, that, in, in the way you drew out that analogy, I would have to have an E string within me. And so I don't know if bad parent is more of the, is more of the judgment and not an experience. Now you may have had in your opinion, in your assessment, a quote unquote bad parent, but the, it's the, well, what was your reaction to quote unquote bad parent, which is the anger, the frustration. So that the E string is that frustration, right? 
um, or that, that general uneasiness. It's, it's a more of in the body, in the emotions kind of thing. That's, the, that's how I equate the strings. And so if you have within you frustration, anger, especially if it's related to a parent, um, then you have that string. And so as the string, as people around you are plucking that string, you know, by going to that place of anger and letting it resonate within them, that string will start to resonate within you. Okay. And however, this gentleman who went up and spoke with her, he may have had that string, but he was present to the vibration enough that he took control of it and stopped that string from resonating within him. So he wasn't in that place of frustration or anger, whether he has frustration or anger around a parent or whether maybe he has none. Maybe he doesn't have a negative parent experience or negative children experience or, or anything like that. So he immediately went to a place of compassion and empathy because he does that, that string doesn't live within him. Right. Even the anger and frustration didn't live within him to the point to overwhelm his decision to go talk with her. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's kind of where we want to get to is what are the, what are the practices and mindsets and things that we can take into account that will support us in when that, when those strings around us are resonating that can resonate within us, we can be present to and conscious of and stop the resonance and choose where we really want to be in that moment as opposed to just kind of uh, going along and allowing ourselves to be affected by our environment. So that comes down to, um, well, actually, I've got a really, really cool uh, idiom my dad made up, I think. Well, he probably heard it from somewhere. But he told me at a young age, he was like, uh, the only people in the world that get pissed off are the ones that walk around being pissable. <laughs> and to me, that's exactly what we're talking about. What, what these people and what these people, what any person holds within themselves is what they will resonate with when they experience it outside of themselves. So if this, you know, this guy, obviously on the plane, he's, he holds compassion. And when he saw an opportunity to be compassionate and to exercise compassion, that's what he saw in that situation, and he went for it. If, if people hold anxiety, if they hold fear, if they hold love and compassion, if they hold anger and frustration, whatever it is that they hold within themselves, that is what they will resonate with outside of themselves. And so that's the 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 active, right? That's what we said, active. It's the active yes. version of reflection. So now we're seeing how we hold ourselves, where we come from, what we, um, let's say the, what the, we the embody. space that we hold, the body, thank you. What we embody within ourselves and not necessarily concepts and you know what we do from that space, but specifically what we hold within ourselves, what we embody and where we act from is what we will see in the world and experience in the world. Or passively, we see in the world what we're projecting on the world, which still comes from what we hold within, but that's more of 
um, you know, a uni not unilateral, but like a one directional phenomenon as opposed to requiring two bodies to resonate together. Right. And I don't want that to, because I do, I do see that as a valuable uh, uh, way of perceiving it, but I also don't want that to take away from the validity and the merit of objective assessments. You know what I mean? Like you we're talking about something that occurs, but it's not all that occurs. Like if you're mindful, you can make objective assessments and ground your assessments about an event. Um, especially if you're, you know, uh, judging it or assessing it based on your principles or whatever else. Um, so that there is now in a sense there, there's still an element of projection there, but I, I want to, I want to make clear that this isn't a like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And that, that that's all it is, that all you do is project yourself out on the world. Yes, you do. <laughs> However, your objective assessments, when you're present and conscious to your worldview and you're present and conscious to your judgments and your experiences and how they influence your interpretations, that you can still make grounded assessments that are valuable, that have merit, that are, that can be useful in, you know, push, putting, pushing yourself forward, um, pushing your community, your family forward, uplifting it, um, making a situation better. Okay. So there, there is that place that, and I just wanted to kind of throw that in there because I, again, I, I notice a tendency in this in this type of, in this subject particularly about, you know, people will use, will use this distinction of projection as a way of manipulating, right? As a, as a way of invalidating someone's valid assessment of them, right? So like, oh, you're just projecting that on me, right? Um, yes, they are. <laughs> they, that doesn't mean <laughs> that their assessment doesn't have value, you know? Um, so that's, that, that's something I wanted to put out there because I see it used that way that, you know, there's actually savvy there's actually, lingo. They'll, they'll use that concept of projection as a way of manipulating and invalidating others assessments. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's actually a lot of concepts and lingo out there that's used the same way. The first thing that came up when you were talking about that came up for me anyway, is like, uh, Oh, that's just your story. And <laughs> after I had learned about this concept of, you know, the story or the narrative and, you know, the, basically what we make up about the neutral events, I, I guess I was, I was probably watching my little brother play Xbox or something like that. And somebody was on there complaining about something. And I heard somebody on the chat go, cool story, bro. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, it has made it to this generation and to gaming. And it was, you know, accurately and intentionally used to discredit or to invalidate what this other kid's right. experience was. And so it's to say that something is a projection, to say that something is a judgment, to say that something is a story, you got to get out of the mindset that those are bad things that those aren't workable or useful things. And in fact, like 
to, to think about a, a world, a life, a reality or experience without judgment, without projection, without like these things are necessary. They're going to happen regardless. Like it's a sky. That's a, that's a projection. That's a judgment. These things are useful in, in life. So that, that's a great point. Um, so let's talk about a little bit into how we can use this effectively. And if we stick with the analogy that resonance is something that happens between two bodies, um, I, my mind keeps going to vibrational physics. Sorry, Brennan, this sympathetic resonance idea. <laughs> And if you YouTube that, there's tons and tons of experiments that are done, but it's really cool. It's like this um, this interaction that happens between two bodies that are tuned very similarly or have within them the exact um, frequency to resonate within something else. So like uh, the guy, one of the people that I was watching with his guitar was, was showing that if he plays the A string and it vibrates out an A at 440 hertz, he'll notice that if he measures the E string, that one of the harmonics on the E string will pop up and he'll see a spike in the A. So it's like on the A string, the whole thing is going crazy and it's vibrating at a much more intense you know, volume or intensity, I'll just say. Um, whereas on a string that wasn't necessarily tuned to a, it was tuned to a different note, he saw the same A response and that A frequency come out of the same, a distant, different string, but of a less intensity. So it's not that like, oh, I don't hold a lot of judgment in my life, so I don't resonate to judgment. It's more about at what degree am I resonating with whatever the experience is? Because if you're and experiencing me, it, it resonates me, at some point. And let me equate that in the real world. Um, so that's like an, so this is like harmonics, right? So it's like, it's like you can amplify, right? So if two people start resonating in similar ways, there's a harmonic created that would actually make each person go further than they would have had they been not around the other person with the events unfolding the way they are. Um, and so and then vice versa, it can also do the opposite, where if somebody is resonates at a very calm, peaceful, you know, happy place, they can dampen the effects of where you're resonating. They could actually start to calm your B string down or E string or, or A string, whatever we were talking about, um, by, by maintaining their way of being in that moment. Um, so it, it can work both ways. It's like a reciprocity, right? There's a reciprocation there in harmonics where one can play off the other and they can go to a more intense place or one can neutralize the other and kind of settle it back into, another, into a different place. So it's, it's, it can work both ways. In that. There's actually some very specific experiences that I have where if I hang out with a certain person, I may not ever drink alcohol for years straight. But then when I hang out with this person, we down like, you know, a case of beer between the two of us. And I'm like, what the hell? I never drink. How did I end up doing this this one time? 
or I'm always getting irritable. I'm always irritable around certain people, or I'm always really happy and laughing around certain people. These are the plays of different strengths of these. This this resonance factor that's happening because it's like it also speaks to how strongly they resonate there. Like we all know someone that whenever you're around this person, you're always happy. They're always happy. They could take like, before they walked in the room, people were like kind of pissy and then everyone shifts. You know what I mean? That speaks to the strength of their resonance. It's almost like, well, how strong do they play that C chord, right? Or C string. Um, they really hit it. <laughs> they, they and maybe you could compare it more to a chord because it's more than just one thing that lives within them that's resonating within them. Yeah. It's more gratitude, it's love, it's compassion, it's empathy, it's, it's appreciation. It's all of these things kind of resonating together and building off of each other. And this person just walks around like a, like a feel good tuning fork. Right. And, and then we, and then you also have someone in your life. That's the exact opposite that they can bring a room down no matter where they go. <laughs> they walk into the room. We were all just telling jokes, having a great time. Everyone was laughing, having fun. And then all of a sudden everyone's in shit moods because this person walked in um, because they bring that with them into the space. They just resonate so intensely with that negativity, with that, you know, whatever it is. And, and it can affect an entire room of people. So we've all experienced people who, who strongly resonate on, on at some point in the spectrum. Actually, I had a I had a buddy that came into town uh, a week or two ago, and I hadn't seen him in probably three years. Uh, no, longer than that, probably more like five or six years. Since one of the last uh, tours that I went on with him, he's a drummer for one of my old bands, and he comes to town. He was just you know he's works for Southwest now, flying on airplanes all the time. And he shows up and I, I go to the hotel and pick him up and I take him out for food. And I'm thinking we're going to be talking about whatever we've been up to for the last you know, half a decade or something. And what happens is as soon as he gets in the car, I don't even remember what I said, but I just said something and he lost his shit. He started laughing so hard that I couldn't help myself but start laughing. And we didn't talk about anything of substance for the entire time we were hanging out together, but we were laughing ourselves to tears for the entire like three, four hours we were hanging out. And when I, when I went and dropped him off, I, I texted him when I left. I was like, dude, I've not laughed that hard since the last tour we went, we went on. And I was reflecting back on like how the tours used to be. It was all day, every day, everything in the world was hilarious. And he was saying, yeah, man, I, I haven't laughed that hard since that tour either. That was so much fun. I kind of miss those days. And, and so it's not like he is always in that space of everything's funny and every, you know, he's lighthearted and just having a great time all the time. And I'm definitely not in that space all the time. But when we came together, what emerged between the two of us every single time even when we were roommates and on tour and band practices and dealing with like record label contracts and stuff like that, it was always something hilarious that happened. Always. 
or maybe nothing ever happened that was hilarious, but we always inter internalized it as pure comedy. And so it's, 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 <laughs> it's not always the person that brings it, but it's also something that can be born out of a dynamic between more than one individual. Absolutely. And it may just be like, if we bring it back to our analogy, the strings you share, right? So there's a common, there's a common experience that you had together that resonates within each of you when you come together, right? Now, since I took you off track, I'm going to bring you back on. Um, so originally you were going into the, the practicability, right? And, and practical application of this knowledge. Um, how do we use it? And so the, the first thing that occurs to me is the, the, the need for reflection. Like reflection is just such an important aspect for a thriving human being, in my opinion, and especially if you want to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Reflection will allow you to see where you resonate. Meaning like meditation is just such a powerful practice, but being able to just sit and think and contemplate and think about like, where am I at emotionally, mentally, most of the day, you know? And so that being able to recognize that, cause that's, that's getting at your strings, right? What resonates within you? So it's like, where do you fall back to? Like, yeah, of course you have moments of happiness. You have moments of anger. You have moments of sadness. That's all great. That's all perfect. We, you need to have that versatility of experience in your life. But where do you, where are you at most of the time? You know? And so being able to jump in and see within yourself where it is you're at so that you could be present to and conscious of when you go there. And I know through a, through a regular practice of meditation, this is most commonly what people use to transform those aspects within themselves. Meaning the, the place I commonly go to, if that's not a place I want to be, one of the most powerful ways of, of uh, dealing with that, of, of overcoming it and from changing, let's say your base resonance is through meditation. So I know if that's one practice I could think of right off the bat that is extremely beneficial. Um, but of course Absolutely. it requires, and, and it can, and that can also be where the reflection occurs as well to like, like, are we, are we even present to where we're at emotionally and mentally for most of the day? You know, because a lot of times we're just caught up in the doingness of humanity in the thoughts running through our heads of the, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next, like getting caught in this, in this hamster wheel. Um, we tend not to be present and, and conscious of where we're at mentally or uh, how we're feeling throughout the day. We may notice those extremes, you know, when we laugh to tears, when we cry, when we get super, super duper pissed, you know, like we may remember those moments, but where are you spending all the time in between, you know? And so I think that's important yeah, before you start to develop a practice of catching the string <laughs> while it's resonating. If that's a string you don't want resonating within you, 
we need to learn to just grab it because when you grab a string, it won't resonate anymore. It stops its resonance right there. But in order to grab that string, you need to be present. You need to be conscious of what's coming up within you, where you spend that time and where you want to spend your emotional and mental time. So let's, what I wanted to start with in, in the usability, the practicability of this is understanding that there, that, that there's this dynamic, there's this system at play within each of us where we're projecting, where we're resonating, this is going on all the time. So it's about noticing when, when you're wanting it to happen and when you're wanting to interrupt this process. And like Brandon, you were talking into stopping the string. I would never want to do that when my old drummer buddy comes into town and we're laughing our ass off for the whole day. In fact, I'd want to keep that string strumming and pluck it over and over and over and just enjoy it until I'm too exhausted to enjoy it anymore. And then maybe I mute the string, grab the string. But then there are other times where I feel myself getting frustrated or getting overwhelmed or getting angry with something. And in those situations, it's absolutely useful to figure out how to stop that resonance and choose something different. And so either way, reflection, presence, uh, breathing techniques, meditation, these things are all useful to understand the dynamics that are happening within ourselves in order to intentionally choose something that, that's you know, to your preference, I'll say. So let's start with um, a situation where we would want to mute the string. You know, when, when we notice that because somebody's in the room that's angry and, you know, living and, and getting, so we'll say that Brandon had a good example earlier. If you're standing in line, which we all do at some point in the day at a grocery store or at the DMV or, you know, someplace where you don't necessarily want to be. And so you're already feeling sort of, predisposed or um, borderline frustrated. And if the person behind you is animated and expressing frustration and being frustrated, it's really easy then to feel that welling up within yourself. And then it's about what can I do to pull out of this resonance? How do I shift myself so that I'm no longer resonating with this experience, this emotion. Well, first, first you have to have that. You have to have the noticing. <laughs> you have to notice. And so you have to be present to that coming up in you. Again, most of the time, most people aren't. You know, they're, they're driven. Their lives are driven. Their, men, their mentality is driven. Their emotions are driven as opposed to having any kind of power with their mental or emotional experience, people are driven by it. You know, it just comes up and they go with it, you know? Um, and yes, I, I will make that distinction that being in line at the DMV is nothing like being in line at Disneyland. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. depends on how you feel about Disneyland. <laughs> right. Right. If you're there and you've never been there and you're like, I mean, I grew up in Southern California, so it's like, you know, at a certain point, no, nah, I don't want to go to Disneyland. Um, but it's, it, it is a different kind of experience where everyone in line for the ride is excited. You know, they want to get on the ride. And so that's kind of where everyone's resonating at, 
you know, you always have a couple that are just like, you know, and, but they can't affect the people around them. <laughs> you know, like, the people around them are just resonating with that excitement. Um, whereas at the DMV, nobody wants to be there. Everyone thinks it's taking too long, <laughs> except for the Not even the employees. There to get his license. He's excited. He's like, oh, I'm getting my driver's license, you know. So he's <laughs> he's having a completely different experience about being at the DMV, and he's come and because he's resonating so strongly with that excitement, all the other resonance in the DMV is not affecting him. Okay, so that shows that you're not a victim to or uh, or uh, out of have no power with what resonates within you you absolutely do um and so yeah the first really clear you got you have to be present to it you have to notice within yourself so you have to be doing a constant kind of self-reflection you know and and to, to kind of like enga engage your own state of mind engage your own state of emotions like whoa you know i don't want to be here <laughs> and and i'll add on to what you were just saying deep breath like in if we're talking about in this moment something occurring like all of a sudden somebody gets in your face some like you go you start to get somewhere you don't want to be whether it's a high level of anxiety a high level of anger whatever if this that that's not somewhere you want to be uh taking a deep taking deep breaths you know taking deep breaths holding, in hold, holding yep. it too yep taking that deep breath in, holding it. And then as you let it out, let all the tension in your jaw, in your arms, because you, you, again, you're most of the time you're not even present to it. There are moments throughout the day where you constantly take on tension in the body. You're just not present to it. Your body is reacting to an event, to a person, to an emotion, and it's get, and it's tensing up. You know, your jaw will get tense. Your shoulders will get tense. Your arms, your hands will get tense. Your face, people will get uh, tense up the muscles on their face. So taking those deep breaths in and as you let them out, letting all the tension out of the body. That's, That's when I usually have an practice. anxiety attack. Is when, when what? When you're at the DMV? <laughs> no. no. When you brought up all those like symptoms and stuff. Like right. your hand, your hands being tense, your face being tense. Feels like yep. you got a brick or a pallet of brick, pallet of bricks on your chest. And right, and sucks. in that moment, you do have power with it. You know, you're yeah. not like, oh, this is this is just gonna take me somewhere. You know, you have power within that moment to take those deep breaths to release the tension because you have to notice the tension in order to release it. If you don't notice it, you're not going to release it, you know, but like do it, do a self-assessment, you know, like, like the first where time, am I, where am I, where my mind at? The first time I ever had an anxiety attack, I was on my way home from Kansas. It was about 12 hour ride. I'm about on my last hour too. And, I got off on the interstate. To, well, I got on the interstate, and then I started feeling really weird. 
and out of nowhere, my hand just tightened up, my chest, my face, everything did. And coincidentally, a state trooper pulled off right behind me when I got off the exit, and I started feeling that. And I, I waved him down, and I was yelling at the guy, too. <laughs> I'm wondering he didn't shoot me. <laughs> but he was, he was asking if he needed to call an ambulance and shit. He was actually pretty cool about it, even though he didn't come back and check on me. But I didn't want him to either. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had better things to do. I, I think, <laughs> Brandon, I think, um, yeah, noticing you're right is hard. So, like, you know, even uh, I think through Patricia's, uh, like, second to none coaching i've been able to learn that skill because you know like amygdala hijack if i'm angry or if i'm fearful or like these things sort of just trigger like my reptilian brain and it's instinctual and feeling tense feels like a safe space to be in because i might need to fight right or i might need to protect and i don't even know it's like autonomic it's like just happening um and so when you say like you know, just tent, just relax your jaw. Like, I actually had to learn that it was okay. And it was something you had once said, like, if you're going to go through a shitty situation, do you want all your energy with you? And why not, why not go through it with all of it, you know, to be ready as opposed to, you know, with all this energy use that you've already expended. You, you said something to that effect relative to something totally different, but you know, that's kind of what I lean on. And then I also have this mantra, like everything is always working out. And so by, it's like I had to give myself permission to release my jaw, to release, because I wasn't even sure that was okay to do because I felt strong when I was tense. I don't know if that makes sense, but I even had to get real conscious about that whole thing I, before it was even okay to release it. Yeah, it's funny. I had a similar experience. I had a colleague who who just explained to me how you hold your tongue in your mouth and the effect it has on your experience. Um, she's, and so I had never noticed. <laughs> that was something I was never present to was what was going on inside my mouth when I wasn't eating, you know? And it, at, she basically said, okay, when, when you, you, you know, people have a tendency to draw their tongue, tongue back or hold it in the middle of their mouth or to press it flat up against the top of their mouth or to draw it down and back. Okay. In those modes, your body is in what's called fight or flight mode. And she says, all you have to do is relax the jaw and put the tip of your tongue on the front, you know, towards like behind the, your top row of teeth. Tip your tongue on the top of your mouth behind your top row of teeth. Not pushing up against the teeth, you know, not pushing up against the free mouth, just the tip of the tongue on there. And it takes you out of fight or flight mode. And that became such a powerful tool for me. And I'm like, oh my God, like it really works and it can completely change. Like again, a deep breath and, and reorienting the inside of my mouth can have a profound effect on how I'm experiencing an event. Yeah, I actually heard that and I tried, it does work. It's it, the tongue on the palate. It's a, fascinating. And to add to that, I've developed some practices just through noticing 
just through being present to what's going on in my body that my, my body's got an automatic process for relaxing and for letting go of tension and for you know, going to sleep even. And when, I was, when I've been aware of those moments, for instance, when I'm falling asleep, I notice that my breathing changes to kind of be like a, a sharp inhale, but then just like this, oh, like type of exhale, totally relaxing. And I'll notice that there's parts of my body that will relax with every breath. And so after noticing that that's a mechanism that my body already utilizes, I'm able to then in the middle of like, say an authorship workshop or something like that, I'm like, oh, I just need to like relax for a couple seconds and, and regain some energy. I'm like, why don't I try that thing that was happening when I was falling asleep last night? And sure enough, oh, all of a sudden, all of my muscles are relaxing in my body and I feel more energetic because they're not all burning little bits of energy unnecessarily through my entire system. So being present, like we were talking about and reflecting, those are awesome ways to not just be aware of what's going on, but also to learn what works within your system. So if you're touching your tongue to the roof of your mouth, or if you're deep breathing, or if you're, you know, whatever the other practices you may come up with, if you're present to what's happening inside your system, you'll be able to quickly identify whether or not it's supportive or not. Because there have been times where I'm like, oh, I'll just relax, watch this. <sighs> it's not working. What do I do now? <laughs> I, have to, I have to think outside the box or you know, maybe have a, a back full of mechanisms to use and start trying something until something does work. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally, Gigi. And I think also um, when nothing works for me within me, I have a series of like videos that I go to. Like if I can't get myself to self-regulate, like I'm over the top angry or I'm over the top anxious. Then I have a series of videos. Sure. I'll post my favorite one. Thank you. You're welcome. So something I want to bring us back to in this conversation is that you're not victim to this phenomenon of resonance. That the the frequency or set of frequencies within you, the way that you are and the space that you hold yourself in is what dictates what you resonate with in the external world. So you're in complete control over your organism. So um, vibrations I'm going to change that phrase to you have power with. You do not have okay. complete control over the organism. <laughs> nice try, but you have, you have an extraordinary amount of power with it. Okay. Um, Either way, nobody else is dictating your internal world. That is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. And when you can learn to work with the dynamics that are going on, then you can be intentional and choose intentionally what it is you do want to resonate with or dampen or exaggerate or play actively as a participant in this game that's going on. So, uh, resonance and then projection, that was the last thing. So understanding and being present to 
when you're projecting and not just what it is you're resonating with, but noticing, oh, there's nothing here that I'm resonating with. This must all be me. <laughs> That's, uh, I, again, a, another powerful thing to notice because you may be able to just shift whatever it is that your entire experience is without, you know, trying to resonate with something different. Um, so then we go to the flip side and we're talking about the things that maybe we do enjoy, like me laughing all day with my, my buddy. Um, what are some practices that we can think of that would encourage or um, perpetuate the things that we do want more of in our lives? And I don't think it's that different from some of the things we've already talked about, if you're present to the dynamics going on, you can reinforce and instead of dampening, you can just let them run and enjoy it. Right. Um, but here, here, I'm going to bring up a, an excellent point that everyone has seen perfect in and experienced around this particular point, which is, so you want to be in that space. Like, let's say that we're like, you're in a group of people having fun. You've all seen this happen before where, People are laughing, they're having fun. Someone tells a great joke. Another person kind of adds onto that joke and everyone's laughing. And then there's that person who's actually still resonating in a place of anxiety, kind of wants, wants to have fun, wants to be, you know, you know, part of this fun, but has this anxiety within them. And so they're the person that like chimes in on the joke that everyone's like, yeah, that's, that's not funny. Or like all of a sudden, like almost like far, the moment because yeah, they're because they're trying so hard, but they're where they're at is in that place of anxiety. So their the joke or their comment to the joke or their response to the joke, while everyone else's response up to that point made it funnier, theirs kind of like killed the joke. <laughs> like, um, and you've all seen, like I said, in social situations, you've all seen it happen. And sometimes it, it's been me <laughs> where like I just took the joke too far and wanted to contribute. But where was I really coming from in that moment that rather than creating more joy, more fun, it like it was like slamming on the brakes. You know, like everyone's like, what? <laughs> like, it, it didn't. Re it, I wasn't in reson. I was not resonating with where the group was going, you know, where they were at. You know, so when I threw in on the joke, it more ruined the joke than contributed to the fun and the joy. And again, we've all seen this in social situations. So again, if you want to, you want to be in that fun place, it's about reflecting on what's keeping you from being there, right? You know, are you holding on to some anxiety about, you know, not being accepted, about being needing to be liked, whatever it is, there's something you're holding on to that's not allowing you to resonate with where you want to be resonating with. So again, it's it's going to take that reflection. It's going to take, and it's going to take the same thing. You're going to notice there. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's in a good mood, but you're holding tension, maybe between your eyes, maybe in the middle of your back. Where, but you're not necessarily in a place to fully embrace and embody the energy of 
of the social group or the room or the event or whatever it is. You want to be there, but the only thing holding you back is you. And I, and I think I've actually got a real world experience of this that I want to share, which is like uh, late 20s. And I've always been the life of the party. Like I'm not really shy around my friends or you know, friends of friends. My house used to be somewhat of a party house. Lots of people would come over all the time. We'd go play a show and that's where the after party would be. And sure enough, there's a girl that shows up one day that I have a crush on that I didn't know was going to be there that is newly single. And I'm just like, uh Oh, oh I'm going to show her how cool I am and how like funny I am and how laid back and whatever I am. And when I show up and I'm standing there in the, the group and we're all having conversations, it is doing exactly like Brandon was talking about. People are laughing. Everyone's adding on to the jokes. It's escalating. It's getting funnier. Everyone's having a great time. And for some reason, my hands are sweaty. I'm nervous. I can't think of what to say. And I'm like, God, I'm usually really good at this. And, and I do say something and it ruins it. And I'm like, why am I sweaty? Why am I can't, I'm not funny anymore. Where did all my pizzazz go? And when I really boiled it down, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not. And I didn't have the presence of mind back then <laughs> to understand the dynamics that were going on. But in hindsight, right now, I'm like, wow, in that moment, I was not just being enjoyable and fun and comedic and relaxed and whatever else that I normally would do around my friends. I was trying to impress this girl. And in trying to impress, that got in the way of actually impressing. <laughs> that makes sense. Right. And, exactly and what's interesting is and, and again, in reflection, you can go beneath that, right? So the idea that you need to try to impress is the idea that you're not enough already, just being yourself. So there's an inadequacy now resonating within you, right? That would look create how it anxiety. showed up, yeah. inadequately performing in front of this girl I'm trying to impress. Right. So yeah. what was resonating within me was inadequacy deep down. And so that's what was showing up in the environment, which was my experience. Why can't I X, Y, and Z? Well, I'm usually funny. Why can't I stop sweating? All of the things that were abnormalities for me until I come from the space of not being enough. And I think, Gigi, you bring up a good point also is that, you know, this, and I think, Brennan, you're alluding to it as well. Like this is, having it's not been too long since i was in a place of beginner and it's a it's a practice that you learn over time it's not just the awareness the awareness creates the possibility but the, it's a process that's a practice or it was for me like patricia had to teach me how to you know be in the notice and you know of course all the clf i mean and then patricia's customized coaching was helpful and then to identify what like how is it to even want something like what, you know, to identify where I'm at is one thing, but what else is possible um, in that moment? And then to build trust with myself that like I could let go of the anxiety or the anger or the nervousness or the not enoughness, like that even took time. And then to actually practice it, 
in social settings, like sometimes I just had to like shut up and just allow people to to do and say what they were doing and saying and net neutralize myself a couple times before. Then I decided, oh, okay, I can I can jump, a, you know, a rope one one or two ropes here and then go a little further. And now I'm able to reset really quickly right in the moment. But you know, it it was a practice and a learned skill. It wasn't just something that happened overnight. And something that really works for me, which I'll throw in there, is that there is nothing that needs to change. Practicing that belief and looking at even when I'm trying to impress this girl, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? She and I become friends, or maybe she says, this dude is weird, I never want to go to their house again, and I blew my shot. It doesn't mean I'm going to be single forever or it doesn't mean that I'm not good enough. Actually, it doesn't mean any of the things <clears throat> that I may associate with it. And so it kind of gets rid of some of the. Gigi, you're going to die alone. I don't buy that. On his coaching calls. <laughs> Thanks, Patricia. Oh. Don't yeah, yeah, way, way, to, way to break the confidentiality. <laughs> he was going to say it anyway. Gingy, you got this. You could do it. Tits up. That's right. <laughs> Only Patricia knows what that's from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, you totally just killed the buzz, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to bring something up that Rachel said in regards to you know, noticing where you're at. Yeah, you can notice, but where are you moving to? What's the opportunity there? Or am I clear when I'm, when I'm feeling what I'm feeling and if it's not working for me and I don't want to feel that way, what's next? Am I clear on what's possible? Am I clear on who I want to be? That's a, that's a key point to that, I believe. So Gingy, go for it. Take it away. Well, what I will say for like where you want to be, I know for me, like in a uncertain situation or scenario, um, like I'm somewhere where I'm not in my element. Um, I don't necessarily, maybe I don't know the people. I don't know the situation. Um, there is someone's guest. They know a whole bunch of people. I don't know anyone. Typically my go-to is just going to a place of embodying peace and content. And just being in, in a creating a pleasant space within myself. Um, and then that just kind of facilitates, you know, what moves in around me, what I move into, conversations that I may have. Um, so just maintaining that is, is that peace and content within myself. Um, so it does it, it in a, in situations like that where you're, quote unquote, uncomfortable because you're not familiar with it, you're out of your element or whatever. Those are the times when most likely things like going to places you don't want to be are going to occur because it's your body, it's, it's that embodiment. That's, it's a, it's a self-defense mechanism, right? Your body in an unfamiliar situation will go into fight or flight. So it's, even though nowadays we're, you know, not dealing with saber tooth tigers and shit, so it's our fight or flight isn't like when we're in the jungle and oh no, our torch has gone out and it's dark. 
Uh, now it's like, oh no, I'm in a social situation. <laughs> I don't know anyone. Like your body still goes through that same level of anxiety of, of fight or flight, even in that, even in what, you know, to our ancient selves would have seemed like a pretty banal situation to, to us today. It is, it is, it is significant, you know, social situations are significant. And so whenever you're out of your space, right? Look at like, be mindful in those moments that you that there is a tendency to go into that fight or flight, which resonates more with those emotions that you may or may not want to be in. Now, if it's an actual fight or flight situation, then yeah, that's, that's good space to be in. <laughs> Get the hell out. Um, but in those moments where it's not where you want to be, you know, you don't want to feel anxiety in a social, in a safe social situation. Right. So noticing, recognizing and bringing within yourself peace and contentment, um, or whatever works for you. For me, that's it. Like if I could, I just embody those, those things, it's going to be a pleasant experience for me and for those who I engage with. Yeah, for me, it's my just notice phase or zone where I don't, I don't try to do anything. I'm just in the noticing. Like, oh, this is coming up for me. What happens if I shift here? Oh, interesting. Now it's moving into this. And, oh, someone else came in. Wow, I didn't realize I had a trigger around what they just said. Interesting. You know, it's just a space for me to observe as opposed to, trying to like put out fires or, or to explain things or to really even learn or absorb information. It's just noticing. It is more passive, but in that sense, it, it's not that I get attached or stuck on anything either. So if something comes up, someone says something that I get pissed off about, it's gone when the next event happens, which could be just a moment later. So somebody says something, I'm like, ah, oh, that son of a, and someone else says something afterwards. I'm like, oh, well, that's actually pretty interesting. So I'm always staying close to the moment, if not in the moment, and letting things flow through and just noticing the course of things. And if there was ever a place to start that I would recommend in, in assessing the world as your mirror and the process is going on for you, it would be to notice without the need to change anything or to do anything. If you can just notice what's going on, it becomes more and more easy to, to see what's going on at the deeper levels and to be present to it. And when you're present to it, it becomes easier and easier to do something about it, either you know, encouraging or grabbing the string. Does that make sense? Totally. Mm-hmm. Word. Well, that's all I have for the subjects. Does anybody else want to um, dig into this a little bit more? We still got time. Well, you know, this, uh, I think you tied a bow on this. Um, I think it's, short and sweet. Um, I think it got to all the points we wanted to get to. Um, I think, uh, I think that's it. The world is your mirror. Good job, Gingy. Thank you. Good job you, Brandon. Good job, everybody else.